welcome again to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. This is what I need you to know about the God that I'm inviting you to worship, in fact, challenging you to worship, in fact, imploring you to worship. He is always good. He can never not do good. If you move in church circles, you'll be familiar with the concept of worship. But if you had to explain it to someone, how would you go? Some might argue that we all worship something. Does worship involve just your mind? Is it just reflected in your actions? Or does it go even deeper than that? Tonight, Dr. Corbett concludes his brief three-part series titled Made to Worship and seeks to answer those questions and more. Finally, Made to Worship with Our with Hearts. the third instalment in the worship series. So uh, I want to pray in a moment and I want to pray a dangerous prayer, a risky prayer. And I want to invite you to do something that may not be easy or comfortable. And that is, open up your heart. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are sent by Christ and you are here today representing both him and the Father. You have gifts welling up within your people right now. You have hearts that have handles on them. And Holy Spirit, you know how to open the doors of our hearts. And Father, some of us are here and right now this is a nervous time because we are going to ask you to come into our heart and do heart surgery. Come where we let no one else come. And I pray that as a result of this, we will come into a dimension of worship that few of us have ever entered into. I pray that you would help me to hide behind your word and that your word would accomplish that which you have sent it to do. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus said to the woman at the well in Samaria, and you remember the context there of this woman who had had, um, by, by implication, she'd had a pretty rough life. She had... Jesus said five husbands and the one she was with now was not her husband and I'm guessing the way Jesus said it was probably not the way we would say it because she didn't feel as if he was rejecting her or she didn't feel condemned by him but I'm pretty sure she would have felt convicted and there is a difference the Holy Spirit convicts that is, he does something in our hearts that makes us intently aware that we are in the wrong. And I think that experience that the Holy Spirit grants to us is one of the most precious gifts you'll ever experience. At a time of Christmas gift giving, to think that God himself wants to give us a gift that will not only stand us in good stead in this life, but for eternity to come. So I'm going to ask you to do something, please. And I don't normally ask this. I've laboured to be here today, doing what I'm about to do. And I'm going to ask you not just to be passive as I do my part. May we partner together in what is about to happen. I'm going to ask you for your undivided attention, please. Because I really want to speak into your hearts. I have a very strong sense that the Holy Spirit wants to heal 
hearts. The hour is coming and now is here, Jesus said, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. So this series is about how we are made to worship. We are made to worship. And when we talk about worship, I want to be very clear about what we mean when we say worship. It is an act of adoration and devotion. In other words, if you are adoring and you are devoting, you are surrendering. And how you express that surrender is what we often call worship, but it actually starts in here. In many respects, I've gone from our part one, which is getting our minds right. Part two is getting our actions right. And today, getting our hearts right. And as we, we, we come to this place, in many respects, I see this as where we start. If, if we can get our hearts surrendered to God, we will become and we will not be able to be any different. We will, we will not be able to do any different. We will be changed. We will be. So when we talk about this kind of worship, this kind of adoration, this kind of surrender, this kind of devotion, we are, I want to be very, very clear as well, only God is deserving of this. I know that there are people who do this for a relationship that they are in. I know that there are people who put other people, other relationships in a place of, of, of intent uh, adoration. And that's not right. None of us deserves that, and none of us should do that either. We've seen, and this is really where we're going to begin to explore the heart and, and where our hearts are at, that worship is an expression of deep love. It's an expression of deep love. To say that you worship God is to say that you love God. To say that you are a worshipper of God is to say that you are a lover of God. And this is going to be really difficult for people who have hurt hearts. But I've got some really good news for you. The prophet Ezekiel at a time who was a contemporary of Jeremiah, and you might remember, Ezekiel grew up hearing the not much older Jeremiah prophesy on the streets of Jerusalem under the unction and anointing of the Holy Spirit. And, and Ezekiel was someone who was in that first wave of captives taken to Babylon, just as Jeremiah had said. And he knew why, because he heard Jeremiah. He heard Jeremiah. He heard Jeremiah say that your hearts are far from God. You've got pretense. You've got show, but your hearts are far from him. And your hearts are full of idolatry. And your hearts are full of, 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 of everything else but God. And so... Ezekiel, the prophet, in the opening chapters of his book is, is worshipping and he's in the spirit, he says, and he's taken in the spirit in visions to show the, the, this, this horrible place in the temple back in Jerusalem. And God says, this is the hearts of the leaders of my people. And there were horrible things happening. Animals being sacrificed that should never have been sacrificed and not being sacrificed to God. And other things being sacrificed 
that should never be sacrificed even to God were happening in this inner sanctum of the temple and and Ezekiel's given this picture as a condition of the human heart pretending to be right with God but actually far from God and then Ezekiel hears God say this I'm going to establish a new covenant and I'm going to take the heart of stone out of these people the people that I bring into this covenant I'm going to give them a new heart a heart that's clean a heart that's new a heart that wants to love and serve me a heart that's responsive to me and that's the essence of the new covenant so here's the good news you may feel right now that your heart has been hurt you may feel that you've done wrong and because of that you feel somewhat broken the great news is this the new covenant describes the holy spirit coming and giving you a new heart and this is awesome and if at the end of this you can say god that's what i want i want my heart made new i want my heart cleansed i want my heart to be a heart for you i have my bible open at second samuel chapter six and i could preach out of this but i won't except i'll just refer to it it was when the Ark of the Covenant was brought back into Jerusalem, having the Ark represented the very presence of God. And it was a, a box and it was carried on two long poles. And, and inside there it had objects that were sacred. And, and when that Ark was brought back into Jerusalem, King David took off his ephod, took, took, off, took off his garments and went down in front of the ark and twirled and danced and rejoiced and thanked God. And Michal, his wife, saw him from her upstairs window and she, it says, despised him in her heart. In her heart, she despised someone worshipping God. And the Bible then says, so she was barren for the rest of her life you see what happens in your heart shapes who you are this is the third part of this and now i just want to bring this home and i want you to see what god says and this is what i need you to know about the god that i'm inviting you to worship in fact challenging you to worship in fact imploring you to worship he is always good he can never not do good. He knows everything about you. He knows how you're made. He knows everything you've been through. He knows exactly what is good for you. He knows you better than you know yourself. The Bible says he knows the very next word you're about to speak, even before you speak it. He knows you. He only does good. You need to know that. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, but let us draw near. Isn't that the essence of worship? With a what heart? A true heart. A true heart is a genuine heart. A true heart isn't one, well, I hope they're watching me because I really lifted my hands up then. That's not a true heart. A true heart says, I don't care if anyone's watching. I don't care if anyone's listening. I don't care because, Father, it's you and me right now. I'm in the midst of your people. 
that takes humility and it's worth it because I want to worship you in the midst of your people because your word tells me to. I want to obey you. I want my heart to be fully obedient to you. I worship your God. I worship you. I love you. I worship you. A true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. This is intriguing because you would think having just told you that the new covenant is about a new heart and God takes out our heart of stone and gives us a new heart, that it comes fully fitted, fully furnished, fully ready to go. But in one sense, when a baby is born, that baby has a new heart. And that baby's heart is not fully formed yet. That baby's heart physically has to grow. It has to learn how to pump blood. It has to learn how to process chemicals in the body. And spiritually or emotionally, as we'll see in a moment, as we refer to the heart, even if you get a new heart, you still have to teach it and instruct it. We'll, we'll, we'll show you that in a moment. So if we, are to, if we are told to approach God with a true heart, the implication here by the writer of Hebrews is that some weren't. So what, what was happening in their hearts? What is it that hinders our hearts from truly worshipping God? What hinders our hearts? What gets into our hearts that stops us from feeling free and expressing our freedom to worship? What is it? And I guess if we're talking about heart, I need you to understand what we mean. It's, it is, in one sense, that thing that pumps blood. Um, the, the Greek word, which is... Um, Similar to the Spanish word, but it's cardia. Uh, cardia is heart. That's where we get cardiology from. In French, it's who knows French for the heart. The cœur, the heart, the cœur, the core of your soul, your heart. So the heart is the core of a person's soul. It informs. It informs a person's emotions and you, we, we need, I, I hope if you don't hear anything else, I, well I hope you do, but I hope you at least recognise this, our hearts don't come fully formed, our hearts can't always be trusted, our hearts the Bible says need to be guarded, our hearts need to be informed, our hearts need to be instructed, our hearts need to be tamed, our hearts need to learn certain things on how to function the way Christ would want them to. And in case you didn't hear what I just said, hear this. Our hearts need to be trained and instructed. I'm not sure if it was Obi-Wan Kenobi, that theologian in Star Wars, who said to Luke Skywalker, trust your heart, Luke. Jeremiah said in uh, think of chapter 17, I should know, right? Um, the heart is deceptively wicked. So Obi-Wan needs to go back to Bible school and maybe get a hold of Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Above all else, hmm, sounds like priority, doesn't it? Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Guard your heart. Young girls, you see a guy who looks like Fabio or whatever his name is or whoever the... And your heart goes, ooh, 
That's not guarding your heart. He's not a Christian. Okay. And guys, you understand the way guys and girls work too, by the way. Guys are very, very sight sensitive. Sight, the, the, the what we see affects what we think. Yes, men can think. And <laughs> not always. I know that there are some women who will turn to their man or turn to a man and say, what are you thinking? And he'll say nothing. And it's incomprehensible to a woman that that could be true. But it is. I don't know how we do it, but we just get into that. Nothing. Nothing's there. Nothing. Just nothing. I'm in that zone. Nothing. But here the Bible says, guard your heart. Guard your heart. So there's a lot more I could say about that. But, but just I, I want to set this up so you understand this. So we need, there's certain things we need to teach our hearts. In guarding our hearts, teaching our hearts, we need to teach our hearts some unnatural things. We need our hearts to become quite unnatural. We need them to become supernatural, above the natural. And this is what we need to do with our hearts. We need to teach our hearts to forgive. It doesn't come naturally. It doesn't. And if you've ever done anything that was against your better judgment or your inclinations, it's a difficult and uncomfortable place to be in. Teach your hearts to forgive. This is the result of a heart that is able to forgive and to relinquish the right to revenge. That's the essence of what forgiveness is. It brings peace. It becomes a peaceful heart, a tranquil Heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. What's envy? Someone else has got something, done something, has something, and you want it. That's envy. It's quite different to jealousy, by the way. Envy. And if you are envious, you look at someone and you go, Oh, wish I had that. I wish that was me. There's Jeanette getting those flowers. I want those flowers. Or whatever it is. Envy is rottenness to your bones. It'll rot your soul. And you know when when things begin to rot? It puts off a smell, doesn't it? And please, I am not trying to be silly here. There there are some people you meet and they can be happy-ish on the outside, but on the inside they are festering with rottenness and you can kind of smell it. When Christ gets your heart, he begins to transform your heart. He gives you a new heart and we're to teach it and train it and develop it. This is what it says in Hebrews 12.15, see to it. This means pay attention that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. This is bewildering. No one fails to obtain the grace of God. What, what interaction do we have with the grace of God? It's the grace of God after all. And here the apostles saying, you could fail. You could fail to apprehend the grace of God. You could fail this. Whew. How? Well, this is where he says that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And by it, many have become defiled. So what is it that can get into our heart and hinder us from worshipping God? Envy, unforgiveness, and bitterness. And what does bitterness sound like? 
it rehearses the hurt. It rehearses it. It, 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 any opportunity and, and someone will take that opportunity to tell that other person how much they've been hurt and by who and they'll savage that person that's why you can tell a highly critical spirit is a bitter person a highly critical spirit like Michal who was watching her husband David worshipping God that criticism became bitterness that bitterness led to barrenness and as worshippers we want to be fruitful in our worship. We want our worship to be fruitful. In other words, we want people to come in, as it says in Psalm 40, that we are singing a new song to the Lord and many will turn to God. We want that. That's why, can I just digress a little bit, and it's not far off where we're at or where we're going. You may have an offence with someone in the church, you may have an offence with me. In fact, if you do, I'm not surprised because if, you, if, if I'm at all a leader, I'm going to offend someone. That's just the nature of leadership. But if you go and rehearse that offence to someone who's not a Christian, you are, a, apart, from being, apart from being disloyal, you're, you're actually hindering that person from seeing the beauty of Christ. Oh, man, there's a lot I could say about this. But if, we, if, we, if, you, if you've come to know me enough now, and I'm into my 23rd year here, if you think I'm a charlatan and a crook, and no one's ever accused me of that, by the way, but if someone thought I was, you know, whatever, then find another church, please. I want you to be happy. Please. But if we've got any credibility at all, cut us some slack when we make mistakes. Who would like slack cut when you make a mistake? This is the grace that we should be showing each other, please. But here it gets into your heart and it becomes a root of bitterness. And I've seen what roots do to concrete. They get in and they can crack that thing open. Man, don't let bitterness get into your heart. If someone has offended you or hurt you, you feel betrayed, you feel let down. It could, you know the scenarios. Whatever it is, I need you, I need you, and I'm pleading with you. Forgive them. Forgive them doesn't mean you have to trust them. It just means you have to relinquish your right to be hurt. Relinquish your right to be hurt and relinquish your right to hurt them back. And when you criticise them and savage them, you think... You're hurting others. And as someone said, bitterness is a cup of poison. You drink it and expect the other person to drop dead. And it doesn't work like that. Let all bitterness, the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 4.31, bitterness and wrath and anger, these are the things that can cloud our heart, prevent our hearts from worshipping God. And clamour and slander be put away from you along with all malice. That sounds to me like Paul's not making a suggestion. Does it sound like a command? Now I know this is heavy, but worship is the ultimate thing we can do with our life. And I think the enemy wants to do all he can to prevent us from doing it. Back in the 80s, there was a group of us who for a 
group of Pentecostals, at least, had got into this thing called spiritual warfare, where somebody came along and said, you know what, we have authority in Jesus, we can speak to the devils and demons around this city, and we can bind them, we can do this. And then the thought occurred to me, most of our prayer meetings became preoccupied with doing just that, speaking to the devil, binding him, supposedly, binding demons, speaking to demons, commanding demons to leave, yelling at the devil, abusing the devil, telling the devil, da-da-da-da-da. And I thought, hang on a minute. Where's our focus here? And I realised the devil's over in the corner laughing his head off. He's completely one. He has distracted us from worshipping God. So the next time you go, oh, the devil's really having a go, don't do that. The devil, he might be having a go, but don't give him the credit of acknowledging it. <laughs> go, I worship you, God. I don't understand what you're doing. But I worship you. I wanted this and you didn't give it to me. But I know you're good. I trust you. I worship you. Father, I surrender my life to you afresh. Please don't let anything get into my heart that's going to cause me to get bitter or twisted. I want to worship you and I really do. I hope you can hear this morning. I'm not preaching. I'm sharing. We need to teach our hearts to give thanks because our hearts don't naturally do it is there a parent here who hasn't had their you know a teaching moment with their child where they go ah, 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 say thank you i wonder how often the holy spirit says that to us ah, 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 ah. say thank you kim and i were at a funeral the other week they're often sad occasions but sometimes they're not but this was the celebrant who I know, who's a friend of mine, not, not a pastor, but a friend of mine, he was, he was told, do not under any circumstances mention God. So I thought, this will be interesting. So he said in, in his thing, he said, this is the part of our time now where I just think we need to stop and give thanks. And I thought, mm-hmm, who to? <laughs> That's the problem with atheists, isn't it? They want to be thankful, but they've got no one to thank. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. In the company of the upright in the congregation, that's, one of the, that's another reason why it's important to be in church on Sunday because it does our hearts good and we, we are challenged to have our hearts taught and instructed and we need our hearts taught and instructed. And here one of, the, one of the second things we have to do is to teach our hearts to be thankful. Not thankful for, but thankful in. Sometimes you can be thankful for, but there are some things that happen that I can't say, thank you God for that, that really hurt, but I'm told to be thankful for it. No, no, I'm told to be thankful in all things. There are some things I don't like or enjoy, but I know God is good. I know he's good and I can thank him. I can thank him. The Bible says this and I hope you all, maybe we should get, where's Mick? Mick's here? Mick, maybe we get a sign, Psalm 100 verse 4, where we put it out the front. It says this, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Don't do this actually. Enter his (laughs) gates with thanksgiving. Mick's just as likely to come back with a great big sign neon lights enter his gates with thanksgiving enter his courts with praise give thanks to him 
bless his name. I was in a church once where a pastor preached that and he said, right, everyone up, go out, let's do it properly and come back in the way that psalm says. We're not going to do that now. There's always a fundamentalist in the, in the, the mix, isn't there? Wooden, literal. But what a great thing to turn up in the car park. And I almost do it in, instinctively now because I've trained my heart. You come in and you're about to start church and you say, Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Maybe I should have found a translation just for Jeff Hill that said enter through the doors with thanksgiving. Now I know better. Here's the Colossians 3.17. Again, this is the second thing we've got to teach our hearts to do so that there can be no hindrance in our worship. Because you can imagine the person who's unthankful, the person who doesn't show gratitude, the person whose heart hasn't been taught to, be, to show appreciation and thanks to God. We become... We become that little child that, and I don't mean this in a good sense, I mean this in a bad sense, that little child who's untrained, who hasn't been trained, that be grateful. Be grateful for what you have. Any, any person, you've probably got to be over a certain age to have, to have not wanted to finish your dinner and your parents said, you finish that up. There are children starving in, one night it was India, the next night it was Africa, it was like... That's all we have time for tonight, but you can order the full-length version of this presentation on CD, audio or premium download by going to findingtruthmatters.org and selecting Made to Worship Part 3 from our online store. As we've heard tonight, worship is something we are made for. Rather than just an intellectual exercise, worship requires a heart response. Who and how we worship is our choice. More from Dr Corbett next week. Dr Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.